Almighty God, we indeed turn to you with awe and wonder as we look to the cross, as we see the undeserved goodness in the face of our deserved wrath mingled together, flowing down that cross in the form of our Lord and Savior's blood. Father, we can never fully comprehend the depth of sacrifice, the depth of love, the depth of our own depravity. And Father, we want to live out our lives in complete awe and wonder and gratitude. We pray that we would never lose sight of, the, of our Lord, his sacrifice, and the reason that motivates us to serve and to be humble and to be gracious to all those around us. This Now as we would open our living word, we pray that you could speak to our hearts. You know the weakness and emptiness of your servant. He needs your filling. And Father, we just pray that you would be faithful to meet the needs of your sheep. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The beginning of our meditation, I just want to invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. I'm just going to read a couple of verses there to, to get started. That's Proverbs chapter 22. Let's uh, just read a couple verses, verses 24 and 25 together. It says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. What do we learn from this? Anger is contagious. If you spend your time with other people who are angry, you will start to feel those same things, the same feelings. And anger is a trap. It's a snare. It hooks you in. And uh, it's not so easy to get out once you're in. This trap of feeling righteous indignation and anger against a group of people. There's an addictive quality to anger as well as a contagious quality to it. Makes you feel this sense of energy, the sense of purpose, the sense of righteousness, the sense of superiority. In fact, this is recognized not only by the Word of God, even researchers have found this to be the case, that anger is addictive. And so, they have designed it into their algorithms for social media. They found that uh, 
you know, they're financially incented by how much time you spend on their social media, and they find that if their social media is making you angry, you'll spend more time there. And so they're incented to make you angry. I think that's not the only reason that we find ourselves today in a society that seems to be perpetually angry, where the language of outrage and indignation is everywhere. And you feel often like you're walking on a, a minefield. You never know what issue is going to erupt and you will go from being a friend to being canceled and considered to be, uh, you know, I don't know, a caveman from the Paleolithic times or whatever, so, uh, some sort of uh, despised group. Anger. What is the place in the Christian's life? What's, isn't anger a, uh, something that God has designed? Doesn't God get angry? Um, isn't it a appropriate response to things that are wrong? Didn't Jesus get angry? I mean, yet here we're being warned about it as a very negative, addictive thing, and especially not to spend time with other people who, for whom that is their their culture. Um, Jesus lived in a time of great injustice. Uh, we we kind of read how everybody was focused on the fact that there's oppression, there's economic oppression, there is military oppression. At any moment, this stranger can force you to drop everything, carry his bags a mile. And yet Jesus says, now, here's the strategy. You know, if he'd ask you to do that, you get a bunch of your buddies and you tie them up. You know, he says, go carry it two miles. How does that overcome oppression? How is that a strategy to overcome, uh, you know, injustice? That here we are in God's land, you know, where God has promised this to us, and these people have no right to be imposing and, and, and desecrating the temple and uh, imposing their will on, on, on the chosen, and so on. You can imagine the outreach. In fact, it's interesting that one of the disciples of Jesus, he was, he was a Sicariot, um, he was a, a, Jew, a rebel. He was one of the guerrilla warfare people that decided that Jesus' approach was better. We, we read in John chapter 6 that Jesus nearly was forced to become a part of that uh, uh, political resistance. And he had just fed the uh, 5,000. And um, in verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force and make him a king, 
he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So Jesus was surrounded by political injustice, economic injustice, oppression. He had the opportunity, uh, almost if he did nothing, he would have been considered a, a, a natural leader against this and he chose to escape it almost as if you would escape immorality like Joseph fleeing with leaving his coat behind and yet he did get angry but his anger was against a different kind of oppression a different kind of misrepresentation of who God was and his character as we heard this morning In 2 Corinthians, it tells us about repentance. And something that's a little difficult to understand, it says part of the fruit of knowing you are truly uh, repentant is that you look for vengeance. Wait a minute, you're just telling me that, you know, we shouldn't look for vengeance. And here you're saying that's a healthy part of repentance? Uh, are you sure? Let's read this. 2 Corinthians 7 says that, right? Um, we're now uh, reading 2 Corinthians 7. We're looking at the fruits of real repentance in verse 11. And it, it talks about um, you know, carefulness, clearing, indignation, uh, fear, vehement desire, zeal, revenge. Now, how do you square that with Romans chapter 12 where we're not supposed to be looking for revenge? Right? Romans chapter 12. Now, this is worth following me to. We're going to read a few verses. This is specific teaching on revenge. We're going to read from verse 18 to the end. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, anger, destructive anger. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So let's resolve this. Jesus and the word of God is not advocating a passivity, uh, a fearful cowering in the face of injustice that allows injustice to prevail. You know, the, the common saying, which is not in the Bible, that uh, evil prevails when good men do nothing. There's actually is a struggle. There is an overcoming, but it is not through the means of anger and taking justice into our own hands. Because when we do that, we typically play into the hands of, and we become overcome by evil. We sink to that level. So vengeance, 
against human injustice we leave in God's hands because the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. It is a snare. It is contagious. And yet we do seek revenge, but against the actual enemy. Like I said, sure, I can, we can point to financial incentives, why um, our social media is manipulating us into being in a constant state of outrage in dividing society, causing us to polarize, to see each other as the enemy, uh, to see our neighbor as potential threats, to all of a sudden be paranoid in, in, in all of our social interactions. But this is not just a money-hungry media corporations that are behind this. We have to recognize that there is spiritual forces arrayed against us, and we can be taken in. We can be deceived, we can be manipulated, and we are. There's active attempts to manipulate us because throughout you know, the, the centuries, it's been a good strategy to fire up and get the angry young men to overthrow uh, the forces of power uh, but, or to just get to divide and conquer you know, has been a classic strategy too where we get people focused on each other and then they miss the redirection of what happens with the other hand. You know, we are focused on these things that get us upset. And I've had multiple, you know, young people that I've counseled with talk about, you know what, I find that as I'm reading these social media feeds, it's making me angry and it's not good for me. So we, we need to recognize that it's not neutral to allow ourselves to be placed in those positions of temptation. And, you know, even, again, the, the, the scientific literature will tell you your reserves of self-control are limited. And if you place yourself in temptation, you will wear yourself down. I mean, the scripture says flee, avoid, you know, do not, uh, you know, temptation. And temptation to anger is one of them. And we don't want to put ourselves in that position because we want to be focused like Jesus was on the real threat, the real enemy, which we read in Ephesians 6, is uh, spiritual powers and darkness and high places. And that's when Jesus did get angry in the temple, when God is being misrepresented as, as an economically manipulative um, you know, class division. Uh, it, and, and there wasn't this... Um, equal access to, to God and there was a there was a profiting on on access to God. The very reason he came was to address our sin. So how do we overcome evil with good? Edmund, are you just saying, okay, I just pretend, I just become passive in the sight of all the things that are wrong and it depends what it's about we see Jesus had plenty of opportunity to get involved with this, the, the political injustice and he very carefully sidestepped it all he kept his eye on the real problem and so you and I need to be astute enough not to get sucked in and keep our eye on the real problem 
And there may be plenty of angry people around us. And how do we overcome the spirit of division, the spirit of everyone being on edge? How did Jesus do it? If we think today's day and age is, is one uh, where everyone's on edge, the Judea was, was a, a seething pot ready to boil over you know, at any time into general insurrection. And here he is being a public speaker, you know, and there are lots of forces. Hey, this is this guy is the one. He can feed our armies. Get him now. We need to recognize that it's not about a lot of the issues of the day. Right? Do there's lots of character assassination of God and his people going on as they're being misrepresented and who's gonna tell them different you know your blog post isn't gonna change their mind but your personal interaction where you love people where you take up the cross and you care about people sacrificially that's a truth that cannot be denied that's a genuine truth and that's where Jesus came in the midst of this seething pot and he as we heard this morning ate with the sinners and he showed this radical care and character of God it means we have to put aside our own feelings sometimes you may you may feel uh, and, and and we can read in Psalms where David is being very genuine you know and he wants to see the enemy pay and you know we may say you know I identify with this oppressed people I like seeing these people get what's coming to them but we need to be careful that we don't get sucked into those evil or lower level base responses and we recognize God's level is these are all captives these are all manipulated pawns of the forces that need to be rescued not taught a lesson by my power not ridiculed humor can be can mask anger and as you look in those social media videos I'm not reading anything angry but you know as you get in this frame of mind where people are worthy of ridicule then we are missing God's heart this morning we heard God's heart towards the lowest of society to the people that were saying oh you're a betrayer of all Jews you you sell out you you profit and take and, and oppress the widow for to line your own pockets you know how how low can you get but those are the people that Jesus spent time with because he did not see anyone as a as, as beyond redemption and that's the power that we have that we saw this morning that God has the power to redeem individuals till those people like us can see through the eyes of grace that I have been forgiven much and therefore I must forgive rather than see my petty um, injustices like the servant who is owed millions of dollars owes millions of dollars and was forgiven and 
sought justice for his small amount, right? When we see in that perspective, when we see our people who are hurting us or perhaps we see as oppressors, if we see them through the light of the grace that we've been given, through the light of the deception that they are under, as we keep ourselves free from that deception, and then we can act as radical agents of disruption to bring truth to dispel lies, to bring love to dispel hate, and where we can overcome evil with good. So here we see concretely what was happening. You're feeding your hungry enemy. You're giving drink to your thirsty enemy. You are not passively avoiding this conflict. You're actually going out of your way to show care and compassion and therefore overturn the lies in their head, not with words, but with action. May the Lord bless his word. I know in some discussions I've had, uh, there's been an accusation that Christianity doesn't have the, the, the answer to the cultural war that we're in. And I disagree. The answers this world may offer are violent overthrow of structures of power and that you will see that from both the left and from the right where we are going to use the language of violence uh, in whatever form that is to impose our vision of what's right and you end up with the same sort of power-driven um, oppression. Jesus was in a culture war. What he did can inform us on the right response to politicized, polarized culture that we live in right now. And his response was not uh, sticking his head in the sand. It required courage, it required the willingness to sacrifice, and it stayed focused on what mattered, which we heard this morning, it's the souls of men. It's not the trappings of power, it's the souls of men. It's what God thought was worthy, sending his son to come and suffer, identify, and, and, and be tortured and hang in our place. He saw us worthy of that. Not for a dominion on this earth. His kingdom was not of this world. That's why we, his servants, do not fight with the weapons of the world, but we do fight. And the weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, to the bringing every thought into the obedience to Jesus Christ. There's power in the war that we have it may not be a visible one where you see the score being tracked in your social media feeds but it is very real and it's very meaningful 
where the angels in heavens are rejoicing at the goal scored or as the soul saved as they were this morning and let's not get sidetracked with petty as brother Doug was sharing about you know the the plans that we have and and the way we track those whether it's in dollars or popularity or whatever it is those things are so petty compared to what God sees as infinite worth. Let's keep our eyes on that ball, and please, let's not get taken in. With that, we would conclude this afternoon's service.